speaking to your microphone for a sec. Hello. 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 Okay, is that on? That's on, boy. I don't know if it's on. <laughs> G'day, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Bush Yarns. I'm Scotty Connell from Kimberley Spirit, and it is my privilege to have Mr. Anthony Walsh right here. How you going, fella? Yeah, I'm all right. How are you guys doing? Bagus. Bagus. Here we are in the beautiful Kimberley, actually on our front veranda in ISO. Just soaking up the goodness that is, what is it today, about 40 degrees, 42 in town, probably about 38 out here, yeah, I believe. she's pretty hot. I'm laying on the ground. <laughs> she's pretty nice down here. <laughs> yeah, it does look very chilled, actually. So our plan was to go hide away in the desert and get barreled, and on our way there, it didn't work out that way. The police told us that if we decided that we wanted to do anything else other than go home, then it could possibly take us around about a month or two of isolation checkpoints to finally get back to the Kimberley, um, which is where I live. But Anthony's actually been isolated within Australia because he can't get home. That's right. So do you want to tell them a bit about where you're from, Anthony? Well, I'm from Lennox Head originally, uh, New South Wales. And I moved to Hawaii like about 15 years ago and... Yeah, I came out to see the family here and pretty much when I arrived is when the shit hit the fan, basically. And, you know, since then I've been isolating and was planning to go to the desert and isolate with you and surf and kind of just hit the desert zones and not many people around and, you know, all our plans changed and now we're up here in the Kimberleys and on your family's property and just, you know, living it up. Which was the original plan after a few months. It was going to be a few months surf trip around Oz, hey, and then, and then come up here. And, and uh, I know you've mentioned quite a number of times that you've been really keen to get to the Kimberley. Um, where did that first begin? Um, I don't really know where it first began. I'm, I've always been into the bush and doing my own thing. Everyone called me Mowgli when I was a kid. So mm-hmm. um, I've always been into that, just on my own and in the bush and just, you know, all the photos that, that's out there. I don't know if it was Malcolm Douglas, I don't know what it was, but for a long time there's been, you know, an urge to come up here and, you know, it hasn't really happened till now and I was hoping, yeah, to surf all the way up and be surfed out and then be here and enjoy <laughs> it. But uh, we had one surf along the way and now we're here for who knows how long. For a little while. Yeah. Bit by bit. And um, I know you've mentioned the Barramundi. This morning was the first one you've seen, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is actually just in our creek in our house. We, we live on the Ord River. I've got 40 acres right here on the Ord River with a beautiful river frontage. And the creek that comes in uh, has, you know, over the last four or five years, has been stocked with Barramundi, the, this section of the Ord River, which is from Lake Kununurra up to Lake Argyle, 55 kilometres. And um, yes, there's Barra in there, but um, we can't actually go beyond the front gate out into the river this is where we've, we had a police officer here yesterday and we do need to remain on the property so we've actually mowed a track around which is a couple of k's long and we've been able to do some training do a bit of a run around there in the morning and a bit of exercise as well as you're doing a bit of work with your son yeah a bit of school work we've got um, Anthony's son Damien here as well so he's able to do some school work a bit of exercise and and um, play a bit of music and and um, do some work as well and just some things to keep us busy but we're definitely very blessed to have this space 
Um, we've got friends that are locked up in hotel rooms in places and things like that, and it's it's not very cool at all. It's um, thinking of those guys, that's for sure. Definitely wouldn't want to be in that position, so very thankful for what we do have at the moment. Um, but earlier on, I was on a Facebook, I was on an Instagram live while I was out on the tractor doing some slashing, and I had a few questions come in um, for you, Anthony. Mm-hmm. Um, one of one of them was from a girl named Beck Crawford, um, and she asked about any wildlife encounters you've had from your board while surfing. Yeah, I haven't really had. I mean, I've seen a lot of sharks and stuff like that while I've been surfing, but nothing. You know, nothing crazy, you know, only swam past or I got some, actually some footage of it, like one going under me while I'm surfing on a wave and stuff like that. But nothing um, too crazy. Um, you know, my worst encounter was I was actually spearfishing um, in the north of Tahiti, a really remote area, and I was actually on my own. And um, I speared a fish and I was bringing it in and this oceanic white tip decided that it really wanted it and uh, I know I didn't have much food with me or those the shops were closed and there's not much where I was so I was trying to keep it for myself and trying to get back up to the kayak um, but yeah I just he just kept darting at me you know with his fins out and all these things I've learned from diving with Ocean Ramsey and, and Juan like just I knew that you know it was really you know aggro and so I decided just to give it to the fish, but I think it kind of took too long, and um, it just ke- after it ate the fish in one bite, it uh, <laughs> just kept coming at me and coming at me, and I kind of had to just, you know, hold my f- have my fins out and my um, my gun, you know, without reach, so it couldn't get to me, and then finally got up into the kayak, and uh, it was still buzzing around the kayak, swimming really erra- erratically, and I got back to shore all in one piece, but. That was probably, you know, I was, you know, I shot a fish. The fish obviously attracted it, and um, that's why I wanted it. So, see how far offshore were you? I actually wasn't that far. Yeah. Um, normally, those oceanics, you have to be quite far offshore. Mm. Um, but where I was was, you know, a really crazy deep um, drop off, and I was, yeah, I wasn't that very far offshore at all. Um, I just shot a like, rainbow runner, and. I was really excited thinking I had dinner, but <laughs> I got tagged. He, <laughs> yeah, he had other thoughts. Obviously, he wanted dinner, so um, yeah, that's pretty much the only bad experience I've ever had. So you mentioned Ocean Ramsey. We've spoke a bit about her in the last few days or on our, on our journey. Um, there's some amazing stories in there, but um, that great white, the particular, what's he called? The um, deep, deep blue. Deep blue. Yeah, tell us a bit about him. It's I know you've got a real fascination with. Yeah, yeah. I've, I mean, ever since I saw everyone's seen the footage from um, Guadalupe Island, um, in the there's those guys are filming a great white, and then this other white comes up and it's looks like it's ten times the size. It just dwarfs the other one, um, and that yeah, deep blue is got named deep blue from that little. Um, that little video and from there I wanted to I mean I've always wanted to dive with great whites outside the cage and um, actually last year this time of year a year ago basically um, there was a dead whale off Hawaii and um, I 
Juan and Ocean asked me, is like, oh, do you want to, like, they called me and said, let's go. Like, there's going to be sharks, whether it's tiger sharks and hopefully great whites, but they're going to be, you know, they're going to be there because of the dead whale and we just got to, you know, be outside the range of 200 meters and um, to see what we see. And my son was actually really sick with gastro and I couldn't go. Um, and then later that night I was called them to see what the update was and yeah they let me know that they saw deep blue and at least four other sharks great whites that is and I was devastated and then once I saw the photos which um, just look photoshopped with um, ocean and Juan right next to the the white um, how, how big I don't know I think it's 22 feet yeah, um, you're saying one of the largest ever filmed or... It's the largest ever filmed, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, um, it just doesn't look real, does it? I don't know exact numbers, but I think it's around 22 feet. So pretty much si- size of Jaws. So, <laughs> That's crazy. I um, mean, if you see the photo, it just... It looks like it's bigger than 22 feet. It's like, you know, eight feet wide. So <laughs> it looks ridiculous. It's hectic, eh? It's yeah. so crazy. I think... um. <laughs> I think being on the land and, and we're here right in, in front of us there's crocodiles in the river and crocodiles down the stream and we get very used to this this setup. I think jumping outside of a cage with an animal that size is is a very, very scary thought. Yeah, I think it's what whatever you're used to because, you know, for me, like yeah, salt saltwater crocs, they're uh definitely a different beast to me. Um they're very territorial as well, which is different to sharks. So, mm. um, but you know, just like what you what you learn and what you know, where to swim, when not to swim, and um, just things you learn. And that's just you know you, you're brought up here, mm. so you know, you know all about the salties and the freshies, and to figure out what to do and what can and can't do. And same with sharks. And you know, I've, ever since I started diving with them, I learned a lot. Um, just swimming and looking at eye to eye and those kind of things you don't see when you're surfing. They just It all happens below you and you don't actually see it. Um, but now, yeah, diving with them and, you know, and learning what I've learned from One Ocean has been really cool. Yeah, it sounds incredible, that's for sure. And nice and clear water as well. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want to dive with them in, in dirty water. Um, yeah. And they, you know, they're not going to know what I am probably and I definitely can't see them so you know it's just one of those things you learn you know you want to be in clear water not you know in good light not sunrise sunset not in the in the dark for sure um and just yeah being able to see them and you know eye contact which is impossible to do surfing but you know it's just one of those things you got to do I met a guy in on Kauai a couple of years ago when I was over there in the off-season and he's a um, local diver, surfer, that sort of thing. He said that um, when Bethany Hamilton lost her arm, it had actually been raining a lot and the water was all murky and brown and rubbishy and the shark wouldn't have had any idea what it had sort of done. You, you're sort of on that same line that sharks don't attack people as food at all otherwise. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's the odd occasion where a shark is really hungry or sick or... Um, something like that but most of it's you know mistaken identity bites whether it's you know low light like we're talking about or it's dirty water like you're Mm. talking about with Bethany and um, you know bite first you know ask questions later Um, just like a puppy dog or a dog they just kind of bite to see what you are 
you know most of those bite bites you see with humans are just you just see the teeth marks and it's kind of like they've bitten and then they've released because it's not what they wanted um but you know when you're a shark like that and your teeth are really sharp and they're just meant for ripping things apart so um unfortunately that's probably what happened to bethany um you know her arm was in the shark at thrash she might have moved who knows exactly what happened but yeah in the dirty water that's it's hard for them to tell what you are and just to follow on from that as well i remember you saying that you're able to convince bethany to go for her first shark dive um and have a yarn about that tell us about that yeah you know um i kind of had to trick them a little bit um (laughs) you know hawana notion they they both um all they want is yeah they want to teach people you know about sharks and show they're not the um crazy animals that everyone thinks they are and you know show that there's mistakes that happen and that's like anything with anyone um and they you know they mentioned if if i could probably try and introduce like bethany and alana or um mick or julian um, people that have had you know bad experiences um with sharks and you know get them back in the water and maybe have a better relationship with sharks and uh i um aaron lieber he's um he filmed bethany's um movie she just released um was like hey like i want to really get these two diving um what's that movie called just real quick oh man i'm having a blank right now (laughs) i haven't so i know my sister Um, was really keen to see it i'll think of a little bit yeah Um, i could probably search it a little bit but um yeah so i was like okay how can i convince them and so i went up to alana and i was like hey alana um bethany said she would go shark diving would you come and she's like well if bethany's coming so then i i was like okay so then i went i went to bethany i was like hey um uh, alana said she would go shark diving you want to go um it's with ocean and you know there's no one better to dive with and they actually she'd actually heard about ocean before and seen it she's like oh i'll go out and have a look so if alana's doing it classic move yeah so i convinced (laughs) them to go aaron lieber couldn't believe that i actually got it to happen (laughs) and um yeah we went out with ocean and one and it was just us and um it was actually a pretty it was a really nice day and we got out there and uh it wasn't a so some days there'll be 60 sharks some days there'll be one so it's just like that day there was you know only probably four or five and they were pretty mellow um and so ocean you know is talking to bethany and alana and like you know made them feel like you know kind of talking to them about keeping eye contact and all those all the things she she does in her um one ocean diving um adventures and um so she went in first and kind of she sets the tone it's like a weird thing um she has like a weird thing and i'll talk about that after but um after i got in and and aaron lieber got in and um and then alana actually got in first and then um bethany got in after and after about you know one they were pretty scared because the sharks are, you can see them swimming all around the boat mm. and then after about a minute or two they you know they got all mellow and started like you know really getting out there and 
you know, diving down with Ocean, with Ocean's like, you know, doing some safety diving and, you know, Juan's on the outside taking photos and so is Aaron and so was I with my GoPro as well. So um, after a little while, she, you know, felt, you know, calm enough and she got the photo. I don't, th- no, I don't know if it's on the cover, but there's definitely in a lot of advertising and um, it's one of the main shots in the movie, but she takes, she has a mask off actually and she's just floating mid-water down you know about four or five feet and there's a shark swimming in the background which is a really cool photo and really powerful photo for the whole movie and that was one of the main shots that Aaron wanted for the movie and and we were able to achieve it without photoshop it's actually incredible isn't it that she'll go swimming with one arm and the things she does with one arm the surfing the way she surfs the way yeah I've tried I tried to surf one arm and I couldn't get up no. Um, so, and, uh, and she's getting barreled and, you know, she's doing better as good, if not better than most other girls in barrels. So, yeah, it just, it's crazy what she's doing. It's wild, eh? Um, talking about sharks and crocodiles and all of that, um, here last year in September, BCF did a shoot um, with us guys. Um, I was location scout. Um, it, was a, it was called Off Grid with the Badger. Um, so we had a honey badger and, and Alfie, a local fellow, good mate from here, and, and Blair. Um, and Benny Godfrey and Fez come over and, and shoot this um, series that's been on recently um, online. We did a couple of weeks of it and got about all over the East Kimberley, the Northern Kimberley, West Kimberley. In that, the boys were sitting around having a bit of a brainstorm about the next day on one of the days. There's lots of stories in this, but one of them was that We've, we had a little three three and a half meter dinghy at my place and the and the boys had to go down down lower road and and go get some footage with them in this dinghy um with some big crocs and so <laughs> and and benny being benny um filming he really wanted to get that really capture that sheer terror in their faces and i think the only way you're able to really do that is by actually putting them in that situation that is gonna um is gonna totally spin them out so we we loaded up this three and a half meter dinghy with three blokes um blair and nick both you know 100 kilos um alfie's 80 we had swags in there we had gear in there <laughs> and it just didn't look right so we and the, the my thing was of course we want to catch this terror but we don't want them to get eaten and there's a very real possibility down there that if something went went wrong they'd be in in a world of trouble um, so we got Harry Dog, who's got the um, barra camp down the lower road. We got him to come alongside, and we were in his boat. Um, and he's been down there longer than anyone. He knows the river longer than anyone. The first thing he said when the boys got into the boat, you wouldn't bloody catch me in that boat. <laughs> <laughs> and then the boys all realised that it was it was for real. And um, and what was actually going on it was. And then we definitely got the shots. When we got away from there, the first thing to do is cross this rock bar and get upstream past that rock bar. And it's a bit of a mongrel to get past that and these boys have never driven a dinghy in this river before down the lower road and as soon as we got past that and up into the next part of the stream the first croc that we saw was the big fella and he's he's every bit of five meters and he's just like a submarine and literally about 50 meters behind him i saw fez was filming um benny was filming and fez was taking the still photos and i was sitting on the other side just watching the whole thing take place but fez just turned around and just looked at me <laughs> with his eyeballs popping out of his head he's like that that's what's in here is like yeah there's a whole lot of those in here and so they definitely definitely got the shot 
and um, what people were saying there online with Badge and Nick and Blair, um, Badge and Blair and Alfie, with their eyes hanging out of their heads, was very legit. It was it was quite fun for me to look on and just piss myself laughing the whole time. But it was um, quite serious as well. But we were on it. If anything had gone wrong, the boat would have been over there fairly quickly. But that was something that last week I sort of told everyone online I'd share a bit more about. And there's lots of stories in in what happened on on that mission another one being and i got and blair posted a photo of it the other day was a photo of badger up a tree so um so and a bullock just down below him what had happened in that was we were out filming on the other side of home valley and the boys were all good um doing their thing it was it was been long filming days really long days and um like 18 hour days sort of thing and and so i just sort of got them set up in this area over near bindula um Bindula Falls and I left them to it and I headed back to Home Valley Station and and just as I came around the corner of the jump up there was a road train I couldn't figure out what this light was as I came around the corner I realized that it was a double that had actually flipped and it was full of cattle it was full of scrub bulls from Theta doing up the up the top of the North Kimberley and they're just doing a last minute um, run just to get some of these old scrubbers out of there so it was basically like 20 a deck it was about 80 80 to 100 anyway um, wild wild bulls that had all been flipped and, was, and the driver had actually been thrown out of the cab onto the road um, which is unbelievable this guy's and um anyway so there was a fellow there by the name of rich and he works for the Kimberley land council and he and they were having their agm a few other guys had seen this thing take place and they'd all done the bolt and gone back down to home valley and actually got rich and he came up so it was only him and i there and and um, first thing is first was we had to start getting to work on getting these animals out of there because they're all on top of each other and it wasn't a very good scene at all and and we had to start shooting um, sort of you know the ones that were no good and others that were really needed to be put to put to sleep that had really had a had a um, terrible ride but so we got to work on all of that and and we'd been doing that for about an hour and then the boys came around the corner and out jumps Badge and 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 Blair and. Anyone that knows Badge, he's always he's always an interesting human to bring into any situation. In this particular one, he came in. He had his whip. He had his um, his knife, which hangs down to his knee. He had all these all these tools, which he'd been using for for the filming, which is generally useless, absolutely useless, all the, the lot of it. But a whole heap of fun. If it leaves everybody confused and scratching their heads, that's what he's all about. He's it's um that's his job done. But we um yeah it was good to get a bit of extra manpower in there and we spent from that sort of time the rest of the night sort of cutting open the trailers the bush weapon uh, the winch on the bush weapon was just full noise we're dragging animals out and and releasing them and and um and dealing with the ones that were no good it was it was it was quite a mission um at one stage tara who's the tara and Corey are the managers out at home valley and they're great friends of ours they were up there as well and there was the bullocks as they come out they just either charge at us or they charge at the cars or charge at whatever they possibly could and they're obviously um yeah all sorts of havoc was being created there there was a time when the actual the driver was pinned against the side of the cab with his bullock just absolutely belting him and uh, we were all climbing all over cars and getting out of the way. You couldn't see them because it was dark and we only had spotties on particular areas. They'd, they'd just sneak back out from around cars and all of a sudden you turn around and be one right in front of you, ready to go, yeah. But, um, yeah, it spent sort of, you know, from anywhere from 6 o'clock till about 1 or 2 in the morning sorting out all these bullocks and, and dragging them out of there. And um, 
and yeah, once we once we got them out and as many as we could away and and dealt with as much of it as we could, actually dragged the cab out, dragged the mattress out of the cab and and put it on the ground and and just got everyone to bail because the driver was still sort of he wasn't doing too well. He was couldn't figure out the beginning whether he was pissed or if he was just in shock. But I think it was just shock. But he um it ended up getting him to crash out and he just laid it on this mat that we dragged out of the cab of the truck and and then i just stayed behind everyone took off and i spent i spent my night on my camp bed just in the middle of the gib there and i'm feeling like i was laying on the middle of a buffet there was some wild dogs around i had these dead animals all around me and and all that but a bit of a long night and and a bit of a crazy story there was lots of other little stories within that of course there was all sorts of things but there was one moment that um that we got which was where Nick just turned around. He was really in there getting it, getting the job done. We had two trailers and we we're all getting stuck into it. And he was really in there getting the job done. And he turned around and this scrubber would just line him up and was coming, coming at him. And and he's actually had a he's actually had a encounter before, which he may tell you about sometime in bush yarns, um, with a scrubber and and what those horns do is pretty wild once it, <laughs> once they connect. But he managed to scale up this tree and be standing there and just get out of the way just in time. But but um yeah, there's a few encounters there. After that, we all took off and got on with our trip and and whatnot. About a week later, everyone is down there at the at the restaurant at Home Valley, and and um, one of the gardeners was just sitting there, was just sitting there, um, watering the garden, and turned around middle of the day, area full of people and people having lunch, and turned around. And there was a nice big scrub bull standing directly behind him, just totally lining him up from about two meters away and he just threw his hose at it and bailed and it actually chased him into the restaurant and they managed to just rip some tables and, and block off the restaurant and there's a wall there and it sort of ran around the restaurant trying to get in and um, nail everyone which was, which was pretty wild and um, yeah managed to deal with that get it out of there and, and be done with it but there is lots of elements up here uh, with the crocs and with the bullocks and snakes and, the, and all sorts of things so it's an entirely different world to where you're from, Anthony, with the sharks and and what else in the ocean? I mean, there's I mean, Hawaii doesn't have a lot of animals um, mm. besides the ocean, um, so pretty much just have to worry about the sharks. Um, which I mean, you don't have to worry. We talk we t we say Sharktober, so anything with Bert in the end, um, <laughs> it's the months you need to worry about. It's when the whales come. Um, it's when the tiger sharks are giving birth, and that's when they're the hungriest and that's when we have all the rain and you know there's all these factors that come together and make it the the worst months for shark attacks and 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 stuff like that but um pretty much there's no snakes there's no spiders uh there's definitely no crocs so but i guess you guys like you in particular you're never on the land yeah <laughs> well i do like hiking and i do like oh, doing yeah. all that stuff but um surfing for 14 hours a day when the waves are on or yeah, 12 hours a day yeah i mean i definitely ocean is where where I want to be, and that's why I moved to a little island, a lot smaller than Australia. Mm. Um, but yeah, I do miss the animals, and that was another reason why I wanted to come up here after us, you know, we surfed our brains out. So well, I'm here, and who knows how long. So I should get comfy with these, these guys here in the <laughs> near future. <laughs> and for those as well, for, for you guys, last year we had the GoPro Summit in Broome. And there was actually a couple times where Anthony was really trying to get here last year, but a few things sort of happened and he, and he didn't get here. And so this is his first time here to the Kimberley and he's here indefinitely. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who knows how long? I've been trying to get here for who knows how long and now I can't leave. So <laughs> no, and we have actually no idea. And um yeah, it's is what it is. Yep. So um there's another question that came through um just before. Um that was from um Jake Osman about the skeleton bay wave um about that wave of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh tell us a bit about that. Yeah, I mean there was this Where is Skeleton Bay? So it's in uh, Namibia, which is in um the west coast of Africa. And uh most of it most of Namibia is like mining and you know, kinda similar to I guess, you know, central Western northern Western Australia. It's um some of it's really deserty, some of it's you know, is not, but um it's a lot of a lot of the towns are all mining and only mining so how do, how do you get there from hawaii it's a long way from hawaii um if you literally burnt a hole through the world and when it came out the other side you end off the coast of namibia so you know it takes like you know the quickest route is takes about 49 minutes 49 yeah. minutes 49 <laughs> hours i wish it was 49 minutes yeah, 49 hours 49 um, minutes straight through yeah <laughs> if went straight through it still take you 49 hours i think um but yeah so there's no quick way to get there and there's a lot of transfers and you know you get there in from hawaii pretty much you gotta you can only go for a swell as well it's not like a place you can go and and wait it out i just saw another barra there's just torture over here <laughs> um it's feeling yeah um so yeah you pretty much see a swell and you have like 24 hours to decide if you're going to go or not. Um, and then at the end of that 24 hours, you got to leave that next day. So, um, yeah, it's an expensive trip. It's a long way and um, conditions change a lot. So it's only, you know, only breaks a few couple of times a year, like maybe three really good times a year um, if you're lucky. And, and uh, th- this particular trip, um, it was April and, it was really early for the season, so we didn't know how the sand was going to be, because um, normally it takes you know a couple swells, like little even little swells, like two feet, to kind of groom the the sandbank. And um, yeah, we finally got there. Half the crew didn't get surfboards, so that was interesting. Um, yeah. We're just borrowing each other's boards. I had my boards, so um, I lent one of my other boards out to a friend. But um, yeah, we knew it was going to be big, and you know it was amazing we had two two days of solid you know perfect waves and that particular wave where one um gopro of the year um it was like really late afternoon and i was like already exhausted already surfed for 13 hours or something ridiculous and probably walked like over 50 k's at least like just i'd be dragging my surfboard up the beach just to make it up to the top you know the wave itself is and they say 2.2 miles so you know 3k's insane yeah so from top to bottom and i did at least over 25 laps that day and i think that was the 24th or twi- <laughs> no it actually was the very last lap it was the 25th lap and um yeah i got it very much as soon as i got out i i got it and it just like the first barrel wasn't it wasn't anything special, but it just every barrel after that got better and ended up being 11 or 12 barrels. Some people say 11, some say 12, because one of them was pretty short. Um, and then it kind of ended at the very end of the wave, into the, the shore break, which you don't want to be. 
and I was exhausted at this point, holding a pole with a GoPro on it, and already, you know, walked fifty k's and surfing fourteen hours, dehydrated, hungry, and um, <laughs> I was getting smashed. And the shore break itself was another two times bigger than the actual wave, so it was you know twelve foot plus, um, some bigger ones, and it was just like the wave would push me in, and then the current sucked me out, and I was in this it was getting dark at this point it was dark and I'd been in there for like 20 minutes I couldn't get in I couldn't get out because I couldn't get on my board I was just getting smashed and then I finally got to shore and it was pitch black and then I had to walk you know two k's back up to the car um <laughs> but and I just had the wave of my life so and I made it to shore and and so couldn't be any better at that point I guess and you managed to catch that in its entirety on your GoPro yeah I mean it's one of those waves you don't ever want to forget so um and best captured by a gopro actually it's really hard to really film unless you had a helicopter or a drone or something like that um it'd be impossible to film it from the beach because even from the beach you can't see the top and you can't see the end um and and especially the mornings in the afternoon there's like a fog so you actually can't see the wave until it's like you know it comes like 50 meters in front of you yeah right so you'd be like walking up the beach and then you would just see this barreling thing coming out of the fog and that makes you gives that little bit of more energy to make it back up to the top and um or you're in the lineup paddling and trying to stay in your spot and you see your friend get barreled all the way past you and that gives you that little bit more extra to try and get the next one so insane hey and that that perspective that 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 point of view to be able to get that you know clear on a tv screen like like it, to feel like you're actually there surfing yeah. alongside you that's just it's absolutely unreal isn't it like we could never imagine that when you're a kid having that well like how far gopros have come yeah they made it more accessible for sure you know like when i was a when i was a kid um there's this old footage of um george greeno mm. um a lot of people might not know who who that is but he was like a kneeboarder um he's originally from santa barbara but he's been in australia a long time and um there's some footage of of him at Lennox Point on his kneeboard with the he has a camera set that he made camera setup he made on the front of his nose of his of his board um and some old 16 mil film footage of looking out of the barrel yeah. you know that's that was from 80s I'm sure maybe maybe I'm wrong but I'm pretty sure it's from the 80s um early 80s maybe even earlier late 70s I'm not totally sure but he was definitely a pioneer um, of that that whole um, POV point of view kind of footage and and that and I saw that I, you know that got me excited pretty excited to actually get a barrel because I'd never had a barrel at that point mm. um, but also try and you know later on try and get the same thing and I made my own mounts this was before GoPro and made my own housings and and tried all these different things and then you go GoPro made it so much easier with a small camera so um, you know, you went dra on a pole. You went holding a huge DSLR on a on a pole before and paddling it within your mouth. I'm sure of that. So it definitely made it a lot easier. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? What's it What's it mean to you to be part of the GoPro family? It's been insane. And you know, I in the beginning it was more, you know, the very beginning I was just looking for. I knew there'd be new technology, and um, there was only. Th three or four people working for GoPro at this point and I just reached out and um, Justin wrote back to me and said, like, yeah, we're actually releasing our first HD 
camera, which is the Hero One, because um, at that point it was just a film camera, mm. um, disposable film camera basically with yeah, a right. on your wrist. And um, he was like, "Yeah, we're going to be releasing our first HD camera, and um, we we need some footage. If we send you some gear, do you reckon you could send it over?" So um, I was like, "Oh, for sure!" And that's kind of how it started from there. And the fir- the first year was kind of I just got footage from him and um, there was no real family vibe but after that and the hero 2 came and it the whole you know the, the company had grown so much and you know they're really grateful for what i had done already and took me on some trips and stuff like that and um you know ever since then it's just i've grown close to everyone that's pretty much ever worked there it's um from how, the, how long has that been uh man 12 13 years yeah so that's how far the one goes back yeah yeah might even be longer now yeah. it's just i know time flies yeah you know absolutely. but yeah they, they've they always been really good and really um appreciative other people what like other athletes or you know anyway even people just using the camera and getting cool stuff and sending it over they've already been really appreciative and really um loyal is the word i was looking for yeah um and you know nick and nick woodman the founder and Everyone else there, there's too many names. It'd take me all day. Um, good mob, eh? Yeah, really good mob. And, you know, it's hard to find a... Which now they're a corporate company, but they're still loyal and good to the athletes. And it's really cool to be part of it. Hi, um, speaking of Nick's, um, Honey Badger, Mr. Nick Badger, sent through a question before. But it actually wasn't a question. It was actually a fart. <laughs> went, for t- went for 12 seconds <laughs> believe it or not that boy munches some serious protein so you've got to yeah but anyway um and he asked for a response if you had a response anthony with for that the fart <laughs> i wish i do normally i would i thought maybe maybe later i'll I'm a, i'll try and bring it back up a little later all right we'll see if we can edit that part in yeah all right um shannon spearing asked about the biggest wave you've ever served um it's kind of hard to say because i've surfed some big ocean waves in hawaii um but they're not very heavy but one that really stands out um was in from chopu and it was from what they called code red um where the whole ocean was meant to be a no-go zone um because of this swell that was coming through and i was already there for a, a trials event for the um tahiti pro and Chopu Tahiti Pro and yeah uh, they told us we weren't allowed to actually go in the water in the morning but everyone just did and um, that was just the craziest amount of water I've ever seen moving through um, there was no paddleable waves um, normally Chopu looks you have those big toe waves and you there's some paddle waves in between but this day every single piece of ocean that every wave that came through was like unpaddleable and only could be by jet ski and even then the first two or three hours of the morning was i think unrideable but there's out people out there giving it a go and people you know it's one mile she nearly drowned uh, romana hit the bottom hit really hard and a hospital and so have you, have you hit the bottom out there yeah i've hit the bottom pretty hard out yeah. there this this well i was i said if i'm just get one i'll be done and i got one <laughs> really good one and you know it was one of the biggest longest ones of the day and so i was done after that <laughs> yeah but um actually yeah who who told you in on that um this brazilian kid pedro 
Um, yeah. He, I towed him into a couple ways previous to that, and he, he put you in a good spot. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of, it was, it was crazy because there's a lot of tow teams out there, and this thing just came in. I just knew it was a real good one. I've been waiting for hours. I actually been sitting out there for hours waiting for this one to come in, and and I got up and everyone you know the local boys are like all right this is you and uh, everyone else is like you know it's your turn and that thing just was big and barreling went the whole way across the reef and i almost fell off a couple times <laughs> it's the sucks it's sucking up the wave so hard that it was hard to actually you're almost pointing the board straight down the wave like towards the beach rather than across like mm. you would normally just because there's so much water moving and um because I was on my front side, that means my my heels, it kind of almost went heels over because normally, yeah, you're pushing on your toe side um, on my front side, but here I was pushing on my heels and so it was almost making me off balance backwards. So I had to wind the windows up with my arms twice <laughs> and thankfully I didn't end up going over the falls, but um, ended up in the channel and I was done. I was survived. All right, I've got a, it's kind of a silly question, really, because I don't know how you would. But pipeline, best way of your life, or chopes, best way of your life. If you could choose, is it like flip a coin? Nah, chopu. Chopu. Yeah, right. Well, there you go. Yeah, that answers that one pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> so EDA. Yeah. Place to be, but you have quite an affinity with pipeline. You spend a lot of time in the water out there. Yeah, I mean... A lot of your photos on your Instagram are pipe... Yeah, I, I mean, I live in Hawaii and I moved to Hawaii basically for Pipeline. Yeah. Um, and the very first time I went to Hawaii, my very first surf was at Pipeline and it was pumping and I got a good one. So, which is really rare, you know, I was four, 15 years old and um, the flight arrived at 1am and I didn't sleep all night and I was up before dark, got my boards ready and Damon Harvey... Um, kind of put me under his wing and he took me out there and he's like, you know, this is, you know, we sit over, we paddle out in the dark, we sit over here and kind of mind our own business and stay out of the way of everyone else. And, and, um, somehow I got like two really good waves that day and I was done and happy for, you know, pretty much made me hook for the rest of my life over there. And, you know, it's, it's just a different wave pipeline to Chopra. The pipelines are... You know, the crowd's intimidating, the wave's intimidating. Um, there's just so much to it. It's not a perfect reef wave. It has perfect waves, but it's over like a, you know, 100, you know, metre area where the waves can be. So um, there's a lot of different sections of the reef to learn, different swells, tides, like the period of the swell, the wind. Like there's so much factors out there. And, and people die out there. Yeah, it's a real thing. People die and consistently get hurt. Like each winter, as in being like our wet season, how many people would die on average roughly if, like, here's a guess? I mean, a pipeline itself, it's probably averages one a yeah, season. Right. Yeah. But, I mean, just Hawaii in general, there's, a, you know, there's there's still people in the 70s surfing and charging um, mm. other outside reefs or Sunset or Waimea and, you know, everything from heart attacks and but. The biggest killer is actually tourists coming and they can't swim and not listening to the lifeguards and there's beaches where you can just be walking on the beach, it looks flat and then a freak wave comes out of nowhere and drags them off the beach and sucks them out. Um, and they, more people die of that than actually surfing pipeline. So yeah. it's a crazy thing to, to think about. Um, people are just trying to get their Instagram photos or you know whatever else it is. 
But and um, one yeah. the Eddie. Yeah. Have you ever been in the Eddie? No, no. That's it's uh, it's really hard to get into being an Australian actually. Um, yeah. Unless you do a lot of big wave. Is that a goal? Events. Um, honestly, it's not. I would like to do it. Like it'd be super cool. But mm. I'm not out there trying to do it. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of people. It's a really you know if you're not um from Hawaii one um or if you're not before it was Quicksilver and weren't a Quicksilver rider, it was pretty much impossible unless you're like some crazy He-Man that only surfs big kind yeah, of. Yeah, right. Uh, I'm not going to say fat waves, but not barreling waves. Like yeah. I chase the more heavy barreling waves. So it's a different, you know, riding big boards and I like to ride shorter boards and ledgier kind of waves. Yeah. So it's a kind of different scene. Um, so it's pretty hard. Like I'd have to, even then, I know people that have been trying to get in for decades and they've only ever made the alternate list. So yeah, right. Um, for me, I'd just rather just keep doing what I'm doing and hopefully I get to surf soon. One day. <laughs> There's not much surfing going on out here. But. There is zero. <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately also the beaches um, on the East Coast and many on the West Coast have all been locked out as well. Hey, there's been guys getting arrested around the world. Yeah, I've had friends arrested for surfing in Ecuador. And, and shot? Like yeah, shot at. Shot at. Like, I guess warning shots, but the footage is crazy. Um, this thing, this whole coronavirus, COVID-19 is driving people insane. Um, but yeah, a lot of the beaches were clo- are closed or going to be closed, I think, here in um, New South Wales and they've kind of been the last ones to really stop people from surfing um and that's where i would have been if i didn't see you see you and we decided to be on this journey and we thought we'd avoid it but you know south australia and western australia kind of uh decided that they would be more strict and Hmm. you wouldn't have been able to get home and um i wanted to end up here and anyways and yeah Yeah, see how long it's gonna be and looking straight out from here we have the Elephant Rock, Carlton Ridge right in front of us, the Ord River. What's um, Lauren Reed sent through, um, why the Kimberley? You said that before, but what are you most look, looking forward to doing? I know you've mentioned catching a barra, climbing some of these hills. If you could escape right now, where would you go? <laughs> where would I escape to? <laughs> catching a barra, number yep. one. <laughs> yep, down and, the river. And, which is crazy because I only have to be maybe 500 metres from here outside your front gate <laughs> which is really hard not to do um but bungle bungles is definitely up there mm. i've wanted to do that for a long time um you know there's so many things yeah there is there's so many but bungle bungles if i had to name one um just to get away from it and do that but you know there's so many gorges with waterfalls there's man there's Karangini. there's just so much areas that like i want to see yeah and I hope that I can at least see some of it. Mm. <laughs> um, you know, we've still it. got 10 more days yep. before we can, I don't know what we can even do at that point because <laughs> they keep changing it every day by day and yep. things are closed. And But at least we can do some things um, outside. The like, Elephant Rock is right here in front of us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I would like to go at least hike up that. Um, but yeah, Barra is very accessible. Um, and 
So we'll just see what happens in 10 days. But yeah, Bungle Bungles would definitely be on the list for sure. That's it, step by step. And the yeah. Bungle Bungles, for those that don't know, they're just over the hills from here, from Kununurra. In Kununurra itself, we've got Lake Argyle up the river. We've got Elquestro Wilderness Park, Home Valley, some really amazing properties to the west. Bungle Bungles, or it's known as Pernalulu National Park, which is the Gidja name for the sandstone in the area, is um, it's a... It's a few hours south of here, just south of Turkey Creek, warm and via road. But as the, over the as the crow flies over the hills, it's sort of straight over the Carboid Range um, and Osman Range, and and then down into National Park. It, it, there is nowhere else like it, and it, it's somewhere that, being a um, being from Broome originally for me, when I first went there, I didn't have a real connection with it because I was really connected to the coastal side of the Kimberley as a as a grommet. But in recent years. Um, or recent years, last 10 years sort of thing of touring um, down to the bungles. I find that what happens taking people in there is so unique and it's so amazing to see people's response to the place that it's really made it for me and it's made me see it through so many people's different eyes that it's just, it's it's one of those places that really gets people like no other place up here, I feel. there's We get to spend so much fun time in the water and jumping off things and skiing and fishing and doing cool stuff, but it's just a landscape like nowhere else you'll ever see in the world. And it's actually better than, like most things up here, it's better than what you see on Instagram or on... And people don't understand the gist of it either. They don't understand how big the park is. They think it's just a particular area with some rocks, but you're driving a good 45 minutes from the northern end to the southern end of the park and... The chasm's always a hidden hidden gem people don't know anything about and and that sort of thing. It's just yeah, it really is something else and it's it's um it's very, very special to have it here for to show people amongst all this other wilderness that we get to get to explore and, and like Anthony just said, it is a lifetime to be able to see this place. You really do need time and each time just leaves you wanting more, which is always really cool. And uh, it's a real honour to have you here to explore it, Anthony. I'm, I'm frothing. Yeah, I can't wait to get outside these fences. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we would never have thought in a million years that we would say that. But it is what it is. Yeah. Has been the little saying of the week. And especially as we run into more and more police, I think we've met every policeman in Western Australia and woman in Western Australia and we've had the full lowdowns and, and all of that and they're certainly doing what they can with what they've got. They've, As they say, you know, there's just things that are constantly evolving and changing and they've got orders coming from all over the place and so we're just doing our bit here to stay out of harm's way and, and also along the way we've um, certainly been wiping down the surfaces and doing all the bits and pieces and um, keeping Damien, your son, particularly clear of this as well. He picks up picks up things here and there. Yeah, I mean, most kids, they just touch everything and yeah. put everything in their mouths and don't really... So it's really been quite a struggle, um, cleaning his hands every five seconds and hopefully I've done my bit and for just, not just him, but for everyone else. And that's just the plan, right? Mm, definitely. Do your bit. And I've got to just point out too that I'd been in the car for 24 hours with Anthony before I just pulled up and said, mate, I'm really amazed by how well he fathers his son i think it's a, i think it's not something that i do want to get all emo and weird on him or anything like that but just the patience that he has and and the way he does that i just really take my hat off to you mate i just think it's unbelievable it's it's really cool to watch your watch your son you know interact with his father like that and for the patience and time and and you know you're schooling him each day you just don't let anything slip and it's just really cool to see see that go down so well yeah. done 
Thank you. I mean, yeah, it's, it's awesome. not. It's definitely not an easy thing. Um, my son has autism, and that's kind of. That's why I think he's. You know, he's a lot unique to a lot of other kids. He's. He can handle different situations better, and mm. some others worse. And you know, to sit five days in a car, and you know, we're driving sixteen to twenty hours a day. Um, doing schoolwork and all he loves to do is swim and only swam like you know like a couple times on the way where there was no people and avoiding you know everyone and everything we could um yeah he had one little meltdown and that was like for five minutes and you know i i couldn't ask for anything more out of that and there was a legit fear in there that if he didn't have water then he just just go crazy <laughs> like he just had to so he's saying we drove so far part of that was we just drove um you know through south australia across south australia and western australia but um that was the plan of course as we were saying earlier is to go into the desert and and just get away from everybody and keep him away from people and didn't want to go near cities or anything like that didn't want to be anywhere near the east coast and so we spoke to the south australian police and wa police and as we moved it all sort of got updated but there was we had to just swag it anywhere any kind just because we were shattered as well. The police would sort of say, oh, you got this long to do this. And you go like, yeah, right. All right. Well, that's, we've got to keep moving. So there was one night we were actually, we had about four hours sleep and we woke up. Oh, my swag was open and woke up and you guys as well with, with rain just straight on our faces. Yeah. And then we'd gone to sleep to the stars and absolutely cactus and um, gone to sleep yeah, with stars and woken up with rain on us. We just had enough time, didn't we? To yeah. roll up the swags. And I pulled out the alley cab awning and just to give us that moment to be able to roll our swags up but yeah, we would have done that in about i don't know under a minute <laughs> yeah no this is four this is another situation it was four you know four a.m and rain in the face and damien woke up got in the car and no crying no nothing yeah. like other kids have been screaming and um just so lucky that you know he's he's just like me <laughs> he doesn't like really he's not a huge communicator to people um and just likes the water and likes adventuring so you know this was that was just another adventure you know get he loves camping so being in the swag and then jumping in the car and you know off again he's just you know he's just doing his job just getting it done in his element yeah yep um it was really cool to hear as well what you do in Hawaii with some of the other autistic kids that are in Hawaii to take them surfing and do some stuff. You've obviously got a real heart for kids and, and the patients, of course, as we were talking about earlier. But Yeah. Um, yeah. Is there many kids in Hawaii that you do this with, you were saying the other day? So I do um, some stuff. It's called Access Surf. And it's not just autistic kids, but it's, um, it's wounded um, military people with missing limbs it's you know any kind of where they have problem accessing the ocean um and being able to do it on their own um it could be from kids it could be to adults and um there is a, f a lot of um autistic kids and his autistic program he's in malamapono it's called um a lot of those kids go but um you know it's it's really cool what they're doing there they have um all different levels of people volunteering and from people that will just help them you know get set up with their life jackets and what board they want and then there'll be a group that will carry them down to the water there's the surf instructors which i'm part of and then there's a whole group of people just floating around the water as water safety it's a really cool thing to see and um all these people really appreciate appreciate all the help and um there's people some people don't really know you know their parents or loved ones are kind of 
getting them out there and they have a time of their lives once they're out there but can be pretty pretty hard sometimes to get them comfortable and sometimes they may not even get in the water and might be just standing on the board on the beach or for the first time and then the next month um, might get them you know a couple meters from shore and then they and then get them back to shore and make sure they're safe and stand on the board again and just kind of progress like that so I think that helps with the patience um, with you know all kinds of kids all kind of even adults uh, that have never been in the ocean and terrified of the ocean and um, seeing their faces light up hey I remember seeing Damien's face in the in the surf and yeah. just glowing hey just that smile was just unbelievable it was awesome yeah to to get people the opportunity to, to go in the water that they never would have um, it just yeah you can see it straight away when it's sometimes it's not until it's over that they got the smile because they might be terrified the whole time <laughs> um, but once they make it to shore just and, legit fear <laughs> yeah legit fear and like some kids are like holding on to me like choking me out basically um, while I'm paddling or on my back or um, you know holding them and trying to paddle one handed or whatever it is um, and once they get a couple waves and get to the beach and get get to the beach safely and then they're all happy and it's like they'll remember it for the rest of their lives so it's yeah, really it's cool, so cool to to give people the opportunity that never would have that before. That's awesome, mate. I think in times like this too, we don't don't really know what tomorrow brings. I was, I saw a um a post the other day on a friend Pete's account. It's achieve the impossible. It's called, and it said, "Don't allow today's circumstances to define tomorrow's dream. Um, believe you've been given your dream for a reason." And I feel that's very fitting to what we're all enduring at the moment and uh, to what we're yarning about. But have you got anything you'd like to finish on or, or say, Anthony, before we wind up? And um, I honestly don't really know. It's just so hot and I'm sweating. <laughs> like, there's sweat beating out of me everywhere on the concrete. I'm going to have to rinse off the concrete over here in a second. <laughs> yeah. There is no breeze and it's it's <laughs> lovely and warm right now. I know, I'm going to go jump in the water with the freshies over here in a second. Yep, go check it out. We will, as we've just said, guys, as well, we will be kicking it for a little bit to come. So if you've got any more questions or anything, we'll look at doing another one next week um, with Anthony and hear a bit more of an update on, on how his time here is going and um, and maybe some bit more about his training or about routine and that sort of stuff that really people are interested in with um, with athletes like yourself, Anthony. So we'll um, look at it then. But if you've got anything, please DM it through and we'd love to hear, hear feedback. The feedback so far on the podcast has been really unique and it's certainly what keeps it going. It's uh, That inspires the next, the next um, episode each time. So thank you very much for that and for getting back to us and, and um, we look forward to coming again. Stay safe. Happy days. Enjoy, guys. You.